Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly with a famous business owner and entrepreneur who you know, Damon John from Shark Tank. Producer Neil A. Caruso and I will be asking Damon some questions. Damon, what are you telling business owners who you have invested in right now? What's your best advice right off the top here? Best advice off the top? Well, I'm telling them a couple of things. Number one, take inventory of what they have, what assets they have, meaning, um, you know, is it physical inventory? Is it a work staff? Is it a large social media uh, following? Uh, I'm then telling them, before they're cutting their staff or reducing their staff, ask their staff if their staff has any other ideas on how to bring in additional income that they may not have been able to present to the business over the last couple of months or years, uh, and then tap into your staff. And then once you know what you have with your staff and what you have with your inventory, find out who else out there can you collaborate with. So one of my uh, business owners, they had a gym. Um, they basically rent, uh, gave all the equipment to all the members because the members are now at home and they basically loaned them the equipment. And then now he does video conferences, kind of like a Peloton. Um, and so he kept most of his members and all the stores in the local area that have clothing and apparel and things like that, that they're not having any foot traffic from. He's asking them, can they sell to his members at a 30% discount and he makes 5% off of it. And that helps everybody. The members get closed at a 30% discount. The store in the local area get to move inventory that they normally could not move. And he makes uh, an affiliate couple of dollars off of that. And he stays open and he keeps his customers happy and engaged. Correct. He stays open, keeps the customers happy and engaged, keep the membership money coming in as much as he can. And he still is, yes, he's still training them, but he's training them virtually now with his equipment. And is that one of the businesses you invested in, Damon? Yeah, that was one of the businesses on Shark Tank. Uh, he has he has, a, uh, he has several different uh, URLs, uh, Rodeo, Workout, and various other things, but I can get you that stuff. We'll find him, cowboy. That brings me to a question. What, when you're sitting there on the set of Shark Tank, what are the cues that you're listening for as to whether or not you're going to make an offer to, to help support this business or not? The cues are that, first of all, I want to know that they have proof of concept, whoever it is, meaning that they have made some kind of sales or they have some kind of following. Uh, then I want to know if the entrepreneur has been through some rough times. I want to hear their story. 
And then uh, I'm really after that trying to find out if I like the entrepreneur them personally, if I feel that I could communicate with them, I could add value to them. They're a problem solver, not a problem creator. And that whether this business works out or not, we'll do another business together. This shows up a little bit on the show. You all kind of are like sharks when you get bidding against each other there. That's real serious bidding, right? That's not just stage play. Oh, no, that's real serious bidding. I mean, you know, those pictures that you see can last up to two hours. They average out around 45 minutes. You only see eight minutes of it. But, um, you know, I'm the shark is selling themselves to, uh, you know, an entrepreneur just as much as entrepreneurs selling themselves to a shark. It's our real money. Um, and we feel that we can do great for that business. And also, you know, let's let's be real about it. You don't want to get embarrassed in national television by, uh, you know, Mark Cuban or or Barbara beating you out in front of everybody. It's funny you say <laughs> that because I was watching a rerun last night on CNBC and you and Lori Grenier were were debating and, uh, you know, different offers. Lori ended up beating you on that one. But it's interesting to see those debates go back and forth. And I assume that these negotiations go far beyond the show. Yeah, they do go far beyond the show. But, um, no, you know, once the agreement is done on the show, a handshake, uh, then we basically, you know, we'll contact them within anywhere from a week to a month. And, uh uh, you know, everybody has a different way of vetting. I send them out, uh, you know, something that basically they have to fill out due diligence. It's like 40 different, 50 different questions. They got to, you know, we got to see if the patent is real or the trademark or they have any liens or all the IRS any money, what, if their sales are real. And then we go into uh, trying to finalize the agreement uh, upon what we had um you know, initially offered or initially agreed upon. And sometimes, uh, you know, we have to get a little bit you know we get a little bit more of the company for less than investment because uh you know maybe there were some things that we didn't find out on the stage and uh but most of the time we try to close on the terms that we've uh you know we we, we shook on so you bring up one of your companies and one thing you brought up with survival and our podcast the last few weeks have focused on whether people can survive this pandemic and and business owners making adjustments do you see traditional retail being able to survive? How do you adjust your marketing in this time to drive people online? Yeah, I'm, I'm, traditional retail is going to be very, very tough. Um, it's not going to come back the way it, it has. Uh, and, you know, the question is, has traditional retail uh, prior to this, have they been able to coexist online as well? Um you know, it's challenging. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you were in the newspaper business years ago, you didn't look at yourself as content. You look at yourself as newspapers only. Then you're in trouble. And retailers need to make event spaces out of their retailers because, you know, people need to want to go there physically because there's no need to go there physically now. So it's the same way that pop-up stores work and various other things. I mean, listen, if I had Macy's, uh, one of the most famous and iconic uh, retailers in the world, I mean, I would have cameras in there that are showing you know people's style and various other things that people can feel like they can go in there because they're an influencer on instagram and go into a room or something and broadcast all around the world on how they're putting their styles together and various other things so 
they have to they have to really make sure that they become more of an event space than anything else. Mm. Have you pitched Macy's on that? I can't imagine you getting a hold of Macy's. What you could do with this is that on your list of possibilities or no? You know, I've learned to be really good at something. I remember, uh, I think, I, I think the Joker said it in, in, in Batman or something. Like, You're really good at something. You don't do it for free. So no, Macy's not paying me. So I'm not pushing that to them. But maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll listen to this uh, <laughs> interview if they're smart enough, and they'll do it themselves. So I have Queens on my mind, and Damon John is a Queens native, as am I. And a local boutique in Flushing named Pippi and Lily is doing exactly what Damon John advises Joe that they are actually using videos. The owner, Anita Manfredonia, has started a brand new website, and because of her social media videos and showing people her new products, she has amassed hundreds of subscribers to her website and has gotten sales in a fresh new way on a digital brand that didn't exist before. So she's bringing the store to the customers then, right? Exactly. And see... That's interesting because I remember her story, and she was excellent at holding different community events in her store to get people into the store. And then as happens, over time, the crowd coming to each monthly event started to diminish. So she said, I've got to get more people into these monthly events. And she had a great idea. I still remember. She decided to invite alumna of St. John's and the current women who go to St. John's to have a dual generation reception in her store one evening. And it was a great idea because it brought the younger women and the older women who all had Queens and St. John's in common. And then she was off and running with popular in-store events for another several months. So she's a master of reinvention. Let's go back here to Damon John. He's written a book, and it includes some suggestions on how to negotiate smarter. I have a question on Power Shift, uh, your new book. Now, I assumed that means Power Shift to smaller local businesses, or does it not, Damon? Yeah, it applies. Power Shift applies to any and everybody. And, and unfortunately, um, when I wrote the book, the book got published uh, and hit the stands probably about a month and a half ago. We didn't know that we were going to be in a pandemic. And um, the book actually is extremely, extremely uh, useful for people uh, going through this situation because it is about being prepared for a situation like this. You know, I look at the pandemic as the rise of the machines. You know, we're looking at technology uh, jumpstart. I mean, not jumpstarting, but leapfrogging, you know, that how it would have normally looked in 2025. It's now looking today due to uh, the pandemic. And I always say you can either be John Connor and Terminator trying to stop the machines, or you could be George Jetson and ride the machines and utilize them. And I think that, PowerShift shows how to use that because it could be small business owners or it could be individuals in there that I highlight that are using, um, you know, the PowerShift model. One of the main areas of PowerShift, uh, it's the, the three main areas are influencers, the Internet and negotiation. I want to ask you about negotiation. What do you suggest when business owners run into a client and they say, this is great, but I have no budget or I, I can't afford this. What's the comeback, Damon? 
Well, you know, the whole theory of it is is it's three parts, right? It's 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 building influence, negotiating, and then valuing the relationship. Like, so I call it a win-win. What is when somebody says the same thing we're talking about with the gym owner? If they don't have any money or they can't afford it, how can you barter? How can you make it a win-win? You know, listen, the whole, the thing that we see on TV, uh, sometimes we see it so much, but it works. You know, the, the hey, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Take it for 30 days. And if you don't like it, give it back. I mean, you know, these theories are what we all do in business. You have, you know, and I looked at that model, like let's use someone who's in the book, uh, the Bombas Socks guys. Now, Bomba Socks is someone who came with a Shark Tank and is actually the number one invested product in Shark Tank. Uh, and it's the number one product to ever be invested in a Shark Tank. Um, $250 million in sales. But here's what they do. Every time they sell a pair of socks, they give away a pair to the homeless because they know that the homeless have a challenge with uh, keeping their feet clean. Yep. And that is kind of a win-win situation. Why do you think they've grown so much? Because I and, and they can't advertise. Uh, you know, you don't advertise big logos on socks and nobody sees it. Right. So yep. why do you think they became so so? so well known because when you or me when we buy that sock and we know that we've given away a pair to the homeless we talk about that at the water cooler uh, on monday morning or at dinner on friday nights around people and instead of being like we used to give at the office maybe one time a year the millennials today and people today they want to say i didn't give one time at the end of the year i gave every i gave 400 times every time i bought this i helped clean up the ocean Every time I bought this, I, I helped stop human trafficking and this and that. So I look at that when we're doing negotiations and saying, listen, I don't have any money. How do you find ways to add more value to the person and barter uh, you know, in your deals? The first time you deal with a negotiation is really not Shark Tank. Almost every first step in negotiation is just dating. You never really get a deal right there. You usually just date. You play that little dance. You tell people what your value is, and they all got to go back and think about it. I can picture Joe smiling on the other end because Dave Heath is an old friend of ours, actually. He was on our small business spotlight, and he has been a great resource for us as well. But we fell in love with him for the same reasons that you mentioned, what he's doing to help others. And you know the socks are great quality as well, so that's funny that you – you bring that up, and to that point, and I see that he's been doing a lot since then, and and he's been helping through this pandemic. How can business owners pivot to get the word out there to show that they're making a difference in the community, and you know, make some long term solutions out of this? You know, I, I wish I had to answer to all those because, of course, I'm going to have to have tough, uh, make tough decisions over the course of this pandemic as well. But it really always goes back to the core of why they started the business and who were their true ambassadors to get their word out. And it's really, it's really about being very true to who your your brand is. You know, like David, uh, as you already know, is is very honest to his brand. Uh, you know, on the flip side, there are a lot of business owners that may make bad decisions. They may uh, just discount all their goods and claim that they're using it for charitable organizations where they don't care about. It, and people can see through that transparency. But a lot of times right now, what I'm seeing is business owners need to pick up the phone and call and be very honest to their customers and be very honest to uh, the other business people they deal with. Because think about it. You can call somebody right now that you've been trying to work with to unload 
you know, offload goods or find ways to co- uh, collaborate, that person may not pick up your call two months ago because they were busy or they were dealing with this. They were dealing with that. Everybody's open now. Everybody's open to working and finding new ways to collaborate and work with people. I also find that customers are uh, very understanding of what you're going through right now. So people have to have that transparency, but they also have to understand that, yeah, you have to be you have to have an Instagram. You have to have a Twitter. You have to have a LinkedIn. And this is a time that people need to study these things that they weren't doing them prior because you don't just put it up there and people come. You have to communicate on these on these uh, you know networks and on these on these models very differently on each one. So you have to educate yourself. I mean, I'm learning Zoom. I'm learning. Um, uh, TikTok. I'm learning a lot of these platforms as well, even though I know that Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter already. And it's it's hard work. It, it's like anything. You have to learn it, and you have to be able to work it, and then get your customers on there and over-provide for your customers. Damon, do you believe, just to wrap up here, th- th- these are wonderful points you're making. Do you believe that entrepreneurs are born or made? You know, is it instinct or is it learned? I think it's uh, I think it's instinct. I think they're trained. Other people often train people not to become entrepreneurs. I think that's what happens. I think. But as children, I think children, we're all we're all learning, you know, and making mistakes. We stick our hand in the socket. We get zapped and we don't do it again. Right. And I think that a lot of times people around us who may love us or may see it differently say, that's never been done before. You can't do that. You're going to embarrass yourself or you're going to embarrass us. And we are then trained not to become entrepreneurs. Me, on the flip side, I was driving down the street one day with my mother in a car, and she said it very simple. She's like, you see all these buildings, this car wearing every single thing around here started with one person that had one idea that took one action. Why can that, why can that not be you? And wow. I didn't have an answer. And that was wow. this is around the time that you started your business in Queens? No, this I was about I was about fourteen, fifteen. I had already started a bunch of little businesses, you know, lemonade stand version of businesses, and then I would start the Fubu business uh, about four years after that. Wow, wow! And I enjoy reading about your story too. And and you know, I want to ask you about that because you started in your home, I read, and then you created a, a factory out of your home. Tell me, tell me about that story, how that came about. Well, you know, uh, it's a long story, and I'm going to make it short. <clears throat> I started by selling hats on the corner in 1989, and I had sold $800 worth of hats in uh, one hour. And uh, and these are these hats that I made by my hand. They looked like a ski cap with a ball on the top, but they didn't have a ball. They had a string. And I, I, I just had to sew a straight line to really figure out how to make these hats. And it, I would close that business three times from 89 to 92 because I'd run out of money, but I'd only run out of $1,000 or $2,000. And that's why I always tell entrepreneurs, take small steps because you can recover from it. In 1992, I'd bring in four, uh, three other friends <clears throat> to help me uh, with it. And by 95, we had about 10 shirts at that time in 92 and we just keep placing them in music videos because we happen to grow up in queens where we're on dmc and l j all live and those 10 shirts we put in music videos and we would take it back from the artists we just loan it to them and we became known as like a huge clothing brand when we just had 10 shirts living in a house 
Uh, and right around 95, uh, I was working at Red Lobster. And I would work at Red Lobster all day and then come home with those shirts at night. And uh, we went to a, magic, a trade show called The Magic Show out in Las Vegas around 95. And we got $300,000 worth of orders because all the retailers were seeing these same 10 shirts in all the videos. I come back. We have three hundred thousand dollars worth of orders. No bank wants to give me a loan because I didn't have any financial intelligence. I didn't know how to, you know, to to present myself. My mother comes home and says, "You've been working on this house as long as I have. We're going to take as much money in this house as we can, and uh, you're going to make the clothes and put the money back in the house." My mother takes out a hundred thousand dollar loan on my house. I have no idea how because the house is worth seventy five. So, <laughs> you know, we we take all we get the hundred thousand dollars. I we I, I burn and I sell all the furniture in my house. I move in industrial sewing machines, sleep in sleeping bags next to the sewing machines, rent out the rooms up top to strangers for I think fifty dollars a week. I work in Red Lobster all night uh, and sew clothes in the daytime, and I did that for about two years, and then. Uh, we started to get some of the clothes out, probably not $300,000 worth. Um, and uh, I was about to lose the house because I took that money and I didn't know how finance worked. I was paying for raw goods 90 days ahead of time. I was paying for a staff. I was paying for utilities and uh, my account receivables. They wouldn't pay me for 30, 60, 90 days. So I was about to lose all that money, put an ad in, the, in, I think it was the New York Times or the Daily News, and it said, Million dollars in orders need financing. 33 people called. 30 of them were loan sharks or Kevin O'Leary type of people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of them was Samsung's textile division. A guy named Bruce and Norman from Samsung's textile division. And they, uh, they would then manufacture and underwrite the goods. And within two years after that, we'd grow to approximately $350, $400 million per year in wow. sales. But Damon, that's from 89 all the way to 99. Yeah. Damon, you have conducted a master's class in business right here with us. And it's also <laughs> inspirational. You really have. And uh, we'd love to get you at a CBS event sometime. Uh, on behalf of Neil Caruso and myself, Damon John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you Thank very you much for your advice. Thank you, oh, Damon. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Right. Oh, I so enjoyed talking with Damon John. And... You can go back the last few weeks. We have some very interesting podcasts that you might enjoy and get some ideas from, too. I think that next week, as of now, our schedule is to bring you a talk with a business owner who has built a year-round business, but her business really comes to mind in springtime. And she has just made a big deal to be in more stores this spring, too. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.